Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Crater Leadership Podcast again today, where we learn these small things we can change in life and make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of others as we serve in the body of Christ. And I have a distinct privilege week after week of interviewing leaders from literally all over the world and hear them tell their stories behind the stories about leadership, things they've learned. It's been so thrilling. And today I'm really stoked, really excited to have Charles and Ann Stock with me. Charles and Ann Stock from Life Center in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And Charles and Ann, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Larry. It's an honor to be here. Uh, we got a long-term relationship. Charles, you and I keep running into each other over the years in airports, you know, or Korea, I think, one time, and yep. maybe Japan, Japan, Johannesburg, who knows where. And uh, But we've got a long-term relationship. I remember when you guys just came to this area, our region, and God has used you so powerfully for the body of Christ, and, and this whole region has been so blessed by Life Center, and that's because of your obedience. So let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about... You guys obviously are not from Lancaster County. You're not from Harrisburg and Dolphin County. You guys are from California, right? Yes, it's Talk true. to us about California. <laughs> Talk to us about your early days. I want people to hear the story behind the story, the real stock story. Okay, all right? very and good. And how you came to Christ, the whole deal. I love, I love the story, please. Excellent. So, um, well, I grew up in a resort town in Northern California, and fortunately, I met Anne because her parents had a second home there. Sure. But uh, my family was non-Christian or maybe nominally Christian. You know, sure. like if at school they would, you had to check the box if you were Protestant, Catholic, right. Jewish. And I'd say, "What are we?" And she'd say, "Protestant." So I'd check <laughs> it. But I didn't know what it meant. Went to Sunday school a couple of times. But I would say as I got older, there was a hunger for the beyond, and it happened yeah. to coincide with the 60s. I was exposed to lots of college kids and, and people from the Bay Area that would come to our resort sure. town sure. in the summer. And so it, it awakened in me this exploration, and I think I was looking for truth, beauty, love, and joy that I think is in the heart, right. the desire in right. every human heart, but I didn't know where to find it, so I went down a lot of wrong sure. paths. And along the way, there were moments when, as a pre-Christian, God would reveal things to me, and, sure. and some of them were pivotal. Um, but to make it short, you know, I went through the whole tumultuous years of the psychedelic stuff. I went to UC Berkeley and happened wow. to hit the prime year for riots, 68, 69. See, I remember my that well freshman from East Coast. Year. You yeah. see all the news, all the newspapers. Berkeley yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in beauty and pine trees, and I'm in the middle of tear gas and, and controversy. But, I, you know, Winky Prattney uses this analogy that God plays chess with us. And so I'd say yeah. all these experiences disillusioned me at one point. And then uh, just by because he was a better chess player than me, he positioned me and positioned us together, wow. we were together, to come in contact with early Jesus movement people. And, uh, and so we ended up attending a few meetings to give an offering. 
to pay back the universe for some kindness. It's, you know, <laughs> this was our thought. These and, meetings in church buildings or uh, out, Well, we went to schools? one in a church building. Then we got invited to a meeting that was in a home okay. with a bunch of new Christians. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we just went there waiting to give our $2 offering, which never got taken. But we got caught by we would feel... The tan- what we know now is the tangible sure. presence exactly. of God. I had exactly. no words for it. I told my friends, it's a good natural high. You should come. You don't <laughs> have to be a Jesus freak. And But, you know, once I was there, you know, it's a series of people praying for you. I think we only were there about three weeks before. Privately in my house, I got down on a yoga mat and <laughs> confessed to Jesus. Wow. I've tried everything. But I've never tried. And you either. were like in your late teens, early twenties. I was twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yep, and uh, I was twenty-one, and and I said, Jesus, if you'll show me you're real, I'll follow you. And the next time we went to a church meeting, for the first time, we would. I or I I was probably more meticulous than Anne about this, but I would not worship Jesus. I would hum the Jesus lines, but I'd worship God because I okay. guess I was a theist, you know. Right, and, right. <laughs> uh, but that night, that day I prayed that prayer, I called Ann. She was at her mom's house in San Francisco. She had prayed something very similar, same day. Really? And it seemed phenomenal. So we would go to this meeting on a Sunday night with this sense of expectation. And when we sang Jesus in yeah. worship, yeah felt like warm oil poured over us from head to toe. And I needed that. You know, I needed something that was an experiential encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, you know. I mean, it it was beautiful. So at that point, everything changed really fast, you know. Like, we started attending meetings, 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 you know. And when there weren't meetings, we wanted to be with Christians, go do outreach. Right. So that was kind of how we got there. Was... So, so Anne, your side of the story. Well, I grew up in San Francisco, and like he said, non-Christian home also. Right. And like he said, we met at the lake uh, in the mountain town. My parents had a cabin when we were 14. Wow. He told his friend, I'm going to marry her. Well, wow. it took me about seven years to, like, because... <laughs> He was a late bloomer, so, you know, it took me some time to, sure. to make that decision. But we did have a little, we had this very similar journey in finding the Lord. We were, um, uh, a car broke down and some Christians fixed it. So that's why we had, how wow. much does it cost? We want to pay you back. And they said, well, just uh, put it in the offering. So he thought we would go to their church, which was far away. We just went to the closest church with our $2. Oh, that was the $2 you talked about. That was the $2. And we walked to the front of the church because we were used to yoga meetings and stuff. You know, no shoes. I was wearing a purple bedspread that I'd sewn into a dress. <laughs> Charles had long hair. And this was in his hometown where all the people had been praying for him because he was the wow. crazy rebel. Uh-huh. And we walked and sat in the front row. And um, from that point on, I think all the prayers finally settled in. Yeah. And we were really drawn by the presence of the Lord in sure. those Jesus people meetings. Wow. But they didn't take the $2. So we had to keep coming back because we didn't want to have <laughs> bad karma or whatnot. <laughs> 
So in those days, in those early days, did you have any sense that you're going to be called to some kind of leadership? Well, we were we were really slow slow bloomers. We were slow growers. <laughs> but I, I love that verse that says the race isn't to the swift. So I I wouldn't say we sensed or longed to sure. be leading, but we I definitely deep deep desire to follow Jesus. Yes, and what that meant um, was to be available. And so actually the people around us would ask us to do things, right. you know, teach the, there's a, we were started home groups, you know, yeah. doing outreach sure. in new places. So they would say, Hey, next week we can't go. We want you guys after we'd <laughs> been along a couple of times, right. you guys go and lead it, you know, so I'd be terrified for a week. And they gave me a Strong's Concordance. <laughs> this will oh help you, you know. <laughs> so praying, getting teaching. So there was there was being put into positions that someone might consider leadership. We just thought it was all about ministering to people, following right. Jesus. So uh, we we didn't have a hierarchical mm-hmm. ambition. Mm-hmm. I and, would say that we just loved God, and people yeah. started following us. Okay. Yeah. I see. Tell us more. To more of the journey. <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. So uh, we were blessed. Our first year, we we were with this this little mountain church. It was like a an evangelical church, a, a Baptist church without a denominational thing, but it had been touched by the charismatic renewal. the The pastor's son was really gifted. Had g- gone to um, Azusa Pacific, met kind of the the leaders in the early Dick Mills kind of discipled yeah, him. He, he was a protege for Dick Mills, but he felt called to come back up to the mountains and he had this uh, desire to see a working class revival among mm-hmm. loggers and cowboys and sure. you know the the local people. So he was there and he was really dynamic. And so we would we would go to these little meetings uh, with young people, and there were others. There were like multiple groups that would come together for these Bible studies. And uh, he just he carried the presence of God. He had many miracle testimonies of encounters with God and people being healed and being led by angels, all kinds wow. of things that were real. And this is what our hearts burned mm-hmm. for. Sure. And we lived in this tiny little 9 by 21 foot apartment, like cabin. It was a caretaker's cottage. cottage. And Charles uh, read the Bible uh, day in and day out. Really? And uh, so when it was time for him to go back to finish his degree in the sciences at UC Berkeley, he he forfeited that, and we opted for Bible college. I said, why don't you go to something? You just love the Bible. Right. Why don't you just study something you love? He says, there's such a thing as a Bible college? And I, really had, I, had, I had heard of a friend who'd gone to a Bible sure. college. So we went to visit uh, a Bible college, and that in one day, we got a house, we got accepted, we got a job, and so we headed off to Bible college. Wow. And of course, you weren't entering as a senior because calculus and uh, all that that kind of stuff doesn't apply to the ministerial major. I don't know. Options. But anyway, at the but end of that, we... Oh, the, go ahead. Yeah. Well, the the great thing was that Bible College was in Santa Cruz uh, area, Santa right. Cruz Mountains, and it coincided with Lonnie Frisbee had come to Santa Cruz mm-hmm. and it gathered all the Jesus people. 
But when we found this place, Mission Street, we we found our tribe, you know, so mm. we got super engaged, big revival, went from 50 to 500 in six months, you know, people wow. standing outside the windows and raw, you know, very right. raw. Right. And uh, and so that, um, that continued to feed kind of that yeah. spontaneous expansion of the kingdom model. And then Lonnie's wife left him after about a year that we were there, and he just he moved into a communal house there and became one of the brothers. And but he continued to be like a, a fountain of of spiritual mm. freshness in the community. And uh, many many leaders came out of that movement. You may know Danny Lehman from YWAM. Sure, yeah, Danny and I were born again the same month, really? and we were both in Santa. Cruz. We were new wow. new believers in this. <laughs> This movement, and uh, and so we've stayed in touch through all these years. But just so revival was kind of in our yeah, first mm-hmm. two, three years, and then it drifted into the discipleship movement, the shepherding movement. We've got connected. We our whole group went under Bob Mumford. Really, and mm-hmm. so this gave us all this other kind of experience of. <laughs> and uh, and all this time, I had no ambition to be a leader. Nope. I just nope. wanted right. to follow Jesus. I thought maybe I'd be a cabinet maker and sure. I could teach theology and hermeneutics to some of these really gifted guys that were totally uneducated, you know, but would go out and lead people to the Lord. So what <laughs> what brought us in, actually into the ministry then was the fact that uh, to study the Bible, he had to have a ministerial major, and part of the ministerial major was a, um, an internship that had to be done with an Assembly of God pastor. So we were assigned to an Assembly of God pastor, and when we were done with the six months of the internship, he looked at Charles and he said, I want to hire you. He said, well, what do you want me to do? He said, well, you could be our Sunday school superintendent. And Charles said, well, I never went to Sunday school, and I don't know how to do that. He said, I don't care. I just want to have men like you on my team. And now we're so happy to say the same thing now when we see something. We we don't care that you don't fit the box. We we see something in you. We're glad he saw something in us. And that actually removed us from, we called it the pre-tribulation rapture. Yeah, that... (laughs) Our, our, all our friends in Santa Cruz went through a painful split about it. But we had a year already, after we were mm-hmm. taken away, and I cried. I mean, I thought about I was going to change my major so I wouldn't have to leave this place where I felt like so much was going on. But God told me to do it, so yeah. we, we went. And so that was our first <laughs> experience with being a leader, <laughs> or quote, pastors, yeah. and uh, that was uh, 48 years ago. You were a Sunday school superintendent. Yeah, I was hired as a children's pastor. Well, okay. Fortunately, there were good volunteers in this church, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know anything about programs and had no draw to that. And so I, I told the pastor after a few months, I went in his office, I said, I don't know if the church should be paying me. And he turned white, you know, which I didn't realize. He probably thought I was going to tell him I'm in right. some kind of sin. I said, I I don't really do anything. I said, I, I just go in my office and I, I read the Bible and I pray for two or three hours till God comes and then I cry and, and then I, you know, talk to a few people. And he started crying and he said, just keep doing it. <laughs> 
See, that's such a key leadership <laughs> principle. I mean, and you would know today, as you look, if you yeah. had leaders join you for years, that's yeah. the kind of people you're looking for. It's not yeah. even the great charismatic preachers. Yeah. God can make them. He can learn yeah. to do some of that stuff. But it's really having the heart. It's yeah. having the heart for Jesus. And you ha had that, and praise God, that is something yeah. God passed your soul that in you. Yeah. And that helped you learn some things during that season. Yeah. He was, he was a, a, a real man of God. And it was just for a year, mm -hmm. and but I couldn't handle it. I mean, we we actually we had such culture shock in this church. You know, we were the hippie Jesus people, and this yeah. was it, basically a Midwestern Pentecostal church really? in San Jose. It was in Los Gatos, California. Yeah, most of the people were from the Midwest. The first thing they did was buy us clothes that were appropriate. <laughs> Bought me a suit and yeah. he asked me an outfit. Yes, One. Oh, my first Sunday, I, I was in a a borrowed jacket. Um, some shoes from a Salvation Army store, and Ann sewed me a tie, and, I'm, and they had me sit on the platform, and I felt like I was going to throw up, and I had a vision, because it was just so foreign to sure. me, and, and I was missing my friends, and I had an open vision. I saw Jesus standing mm -hmm. in the church, like 40 feet tall, and mostly transparent, wow. but I saw him, and he said to me, I'm here too. And oh, I th thought, like, awesome. okay. That's awesome. I guess I'm here. <laughs> no, but I, did, yeah. I didn't like it, but I, <laughs> I was so obedient. It was so, only yeah. a little bit of time then that we, um, we left to come back to our hometown and ended up being pastors yeah. there at the little church where we became Christians. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. In California? In, yeah. uh, in California, in okay. the mountains, in his hometown. So how did you get from there? Uh-huh. Okay. Painful. Fast. Or, or what else happened in between? I'm well, Very I fast story. I got hired as the gopher. This little church was starting to grow. It was about 150 people when we came to the Lord. And it was about the same, maybe getting up to 200 or something. And they wanted an, another someone to do all the stuff they didn't want to do. So they hired me, and I did the facilities, clean toilets. I was the secretary, made the church bulletin, answered the phone if if I was in the office, and was in. And did the children part of the children? And there were a lot of children and the youth. Not only the ba babies, and, children, and youth. Yeah. What we came up because none none of those programs weren't my wheelhouse but right. we came up we made this very creative program that was dramatic it was like this whole series a children's ministry of ways to present the gospel so we had a team and we would do these these little drama skits and yeah, yeah and yeah. anyway people started coming to the children's meetings they wouldn't go to church like adults would they come to the children's to... meetings so they put me on the rotation in the <laughs> pulpit you know and i started preaching there were three of us and we'd just preach one every Sunday, every three weeks, I'd preach. And uh, so I ended up, you know, we developed people that took the team. Sure. And, and Anne did so much in this, you know, like a lot of this is her story, like behind the scenes, she's making everything work. But she maintained the children's ministry. And, and we ended up like planting churches. And I connected with other ministries. Uh, Jim Durkin was a 
apostolic father in North California. Yeah, we became very close to gospel outreach. And I yeah. did the women's ministry, and, did, and then together yep. we did uh, we did a school ministry. We did a school of ministry, oh. and you knew the Anfusos. We were, and, yeah, 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 we, yeah, we knew all those were our wow, friends, you know. And uh, then it all started to crumble. Yeah, um, if you knew Dave Sapansky, yeah, his wife came from our church, you know, so really? we got very yeah. close. Anyway, so we th- yeah. we're having fun, you know, we're planting churches, we're doing intercession, we've cha- transformed the worship, mm-hmm. but the, now the church is noted for the presence of God. People it went come. from a hundred to a thousand. It went to a hundred to a thousand wow. out in the middle of nowhere, and we don't think it has anything to do with us, you know, we just, it's just G- Jesus, but my friend, Steve, who is my dear friend, needed me to leave so he could be the senior leader. And they, we, lo- they loved us too. Yeah, you know. they loved us. We loved also, them. But he, yeah. I said, Steve, you want me to become like a Christian head director or something? And he said, yeah. Because he, he started getting counsel from these guys Larry from Lee, Oklahoma. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the same guys that told Larry Lee that teams don't work and oh, anything my. with two heads is a monster. And so he's... And they said, oh, you'll be the next Larry Lee. You know, this is my friend Steve. And so this is a crisis. And really, Mm -hmm. Anne was much more sensitive to what was going on than me. Because I just sort of ignored it and kept going. And You saw it happening. Yeah, and she felt it, you know, and and I... Then they noticed that I was... Getting yeah. very stressed out, and they said, "Well, maybe there's <laughs> there must something be wrong with our, our marriage." And, you know, oh my yeah. gosh, it was a nightmare. Yeah, it was a nightmare. And we, had, I had prayed, Jesus, burn up everything in me that's not <laughs> Jesus. You know, Joy Dawson yeah, by videotape right, taught right. on the fire of God yep. for our mission school, and I prayed, you know, blow, give me the blowtorch. So he did. And all these conflicts came, and there was there was spiritual warfare and involved that would take too long to tell. But we were like, we could have been at one of the studies in needless casualties of war because sure. we just didn't know what we didn't know. Right. And but the the end of this was a Joseph story, which is what you know. And we were locked in because we really had this discipleship movement ethos inside us that you can't leave; you can only be sent. And so we're going to stay there and die. And uh, Lonnie started speaking to us, said, run for your lives. Iverna Tompkins had a burden for us, brought Mm -hmm. us down there. A prophet said, this is like Joseph and his brethren. You need to flee. And uh, and then a guy, Dr. Bird, who worked for Jack Hayford, I called him because we didn't want to split the church or dishonor Mm -hmm. anyone. And we're... so all this is you happening really in the kitchen, you know, like we're dying. Right. And and he, he said, you know, I think you guys just grew up in that little town. It's too small for both of you. you know. <laughs> and I thought, okay, so we started praying for a place to go. Mm-hmm. And we were, um, we were a loyal soldiers to our own detriment. Uh, okay. And uh, so if I had advice for anyone listening... Maybe you need to let go sooner. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it is okay to let go. It's mm-hmm. okay to go on to the new. Yes, right. It is okay to go. We found out because we had to leave once, mm-hmm. and it's okay now. We found that we can let other people go, mm-hmm. and so we always say we have 
churches of thousands of ex-members that have <laughs> that we let them go to the next that they've gone yeah. to the next and yeah. Yeah. yeah we're building the kingdom it's the body that's, of christ that's and that's it. our yeah. thing and yet it's hard yeah, yeah it, it is, the emotion it is hard a, a, a pastor especially yeah, right. you really love these people mm-hmm. and you don't want them going some other place because yeah. the reality is if you're equipping yeah for the work of the saints for the work of ministry we're a training place so sending you know we picture sending out our own brand right but we're really sending out god's children that is so powerful that's so powerful so So the part of the story that's probably important is ivernick tompkins got a letter about a little church in pennsylvania and she called and said um have you prayed about that church in pennsylvania and we of course we hadn't but we wanted to get her off our back. So Charles prayed, send that little church in Pennsylvania a pastor. And he finally hears the Lord after a long time. And and he hears, I am, it's you. Oh, my. And so he comes home from his prayer meeting and says, Anne, did you pray about that church in Pennsylvania? I said, no, but I'll go out and pray. And um, when I got out to pray, I thought, oh, Jesus, I cannot trust hearing you. I'm so suffering. I'm, I'm in such a bad place. I'm just going to have to put a fleece. Um, so if you sell our house, full price cash at the first person who walks in, then we'll know we're supposed to go to Pennsylvania. So we, I came back. I and, love this story. I, I, you, you told me. I love uh, this. So I came back and told Charles, he said, that is so awesome, because he knew that would never happen. Yes, and yes. So that's our way out. And yeah. uh, we put our house on the market the next, next day, and a man walked in at 10 o'clock and bought it full price cash. And now we didn't even have a house, and we had to go. You were on I the road built to Pennsylvania. I built this house. Yeah, it was uh, our hometown. All of our family yeah. lived there. Um, uh, the funny thing is, we mm-hmm. built it with we built it because we knew the market there, and we it was real cute. We had built it for cash, which was a miracle, and took a year. Tiny, but cute. It, yeah, it was small, but it was perfect second home because that was the market, mm-hmm. right? And and our dream was to go to the mission field. We just didn't know it would be Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> wow! So when we showed up here, it was it was a big disappointment because it was only four couples and they were very miserable after two, after two months there was a church split and two of and the four couples yeah two couples left with the church checkbook so now <laughs> we had nothing we decided well we'll just stay till the end of the school year for our children and uh, we happen to have the same age children as your older two right exactly and, mm-hmm. and uh but while we were just waiting so we interestingly the first, second day we were in Pennsylvania, I met Dave Landis, who started Word yeah. Fellowship. And they had gotten a prophecy in May um, that God would send an apostle in the fall who would be a lover. These are, I, we finally got a videotape of this, mm-hmm. and, and who would do the work of a pastor. And that Dave was the object of this prophecy. He would be like Moses, and this guy that he would send would be Aaron. So there were people who volunteered, you know, who heard about it. You know, they're (laughs) kind of uh, auditioning for the part. And anyway, I show up, and Dave and I talked, and he said, why are you here? I said, oh, we're here. We left California. We're we're just with this little church and, uh, and trying to survive, you know, trying to, like, 
put right. our lives together. And he told the people around him, I met the guy. But he didn't tell us. No, he didn't tell us. So six months later, when the church falls apart and we right. end we up, yeah, we closed the church and we ended up in his church, sitting in the back quietly, just waiting the year out till we could get and our you children. You were at a construction company then, right? Well, no, I was doing construction. Just doing construction. I was okay. doing construction. Yeah, you've heard this, mm-hmm. and uh, and so he he sees us, says, "What are you doing here?" We told him. He said, "Would you like to preach?" So. I got on the schedule, and five, you know, a few weeks later, I preached on a, on a Wednesday night. night. And while I'm preaching, Dave falls on the floor, and I'm having a catharsis because I got banned from the pulpit in California. I never said anything bad. They just were afraid. afraid of they us. were trying to fix us, and it didn't, yeah. you know. So I'm la- I'm just laughing like, hey, I'm it's a real church here, you know, like. <laughs> and uh, but. So the next day, he he gives us the prophecy, the transcript, the videotape, the cassette tape, and uh, and says, so, "Does this mean anything to you?" Yeah. So we came back to him and said, "Well, maybe, maybe." Yeah. But he doesn't wait to really hear our answer. On the Sunday morning, he reads the prophecy to the church and says, "Charles Stock, stand up. This is the man." And nobody knew us. What a transition what? process. Nobody <laughs> right. knew us. And then, um, so we came on staff, but and a few months later. He laid hands yeah. on me, mm-hmm. and uh, that that day, which we didn't know anything about. I mean, you know, there was no forewarning. Yep. And uh, it, the words were pretty, like, God, this is, okay, this is strange. You know, like, that. I mean, I'm hearing it in faith. So the few months later... Uh, he, you can say. Okay, well, mm-hmm. Dave left in not an ideal right, way, and right. it was very tragic and painful and disruptive. And you know this because yes. we were. But there was no one time. to oversee the church. There yeah. were uh, five hundred yeah. devastated people, yeah. and uh, we were barely repaired ourselves. Yeah. But we didn't. <laughs> we, were, we, we didn't feel very qualified. We to, wanted to help this uh, group until they could find yeah. someone good. But yeah, had you at the right place yeah. at the right time yeah. and used a method you would have never dreamed. Absolutely. But you were available. You loved Jesus. You kept your heart pure, and you didn't get mad at everybody. No. And praise God for you. Yeah. Praise, yeah. praise God. Forgiveness of the people in yes. California was a big was I'm a big sure. part of the package. I'm sure. mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, we we by this point we had worked through all our issues. Yeah. We had completely forgiven. In fact, I when when I became the pastor, I invited my friend from California out to preach. You yeah, know, just because I thought he if I be. take the first step, and then it, that ended up being complete reconciliation. Good, praise God. Significant for for the people. You in were California. willing to take the first step, and that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're out of time on this pocket. It's so much fun. We've only begun. And uh, you've written a lot of this in your book, have you not? Glow in the dark, at least uh, some of it? Only up to coming to the Lord in early Christian experiences. Okay. I haven't written anything about okay. the well, we talked about the crisis. It's going to help a lot of people. You've got your story, early story, coming to Christ, all that, and glow, mm-hmm. glow in the dark, living in God's creative energy and supernatural joy. A lot of this has to do with supernatural joy, right? <laughs> it does. And yes. you guys emulate that. That's really who you are. Well, I, we went here a whole, I'm gonna, I've got a bunch, whole bunch of questions <laughs> to ask you. And I want to have you back. We're going to talk about a lot of leadership things. And I really want to press in on, I know you have learned, you've learned in many years of ministry, how to have a culture of honor and, you know, that works in your church and all. We want to talk about that too. Any last minute thing before we close down today, 
And then we'll have you back. We'll have you back for a, a future podcast. No, I, it's just an honor to be with you, Larry. Oh, really and fun. look forward to really the next fun. time. Thank you. you guys are amazing. Amazing. Well, everybody, once you pick up Charles Stock's book, wherever you buy books, Amazon or wherever you buy books, Glow in the Dark, Living in God's Creative Energy and Supernatural Joy. Any information you want about Life Center's dynamic church right here in Central Pennsylvania. I mean, I would call it like almost a state church. I mean, you got people from all the state and beyond who's connected with you guys. And you train them and send them out. Just amazing. I've known Charles and Anne for many, many years. and love these guys and love what God continues to do through them. All that information is on the show notes. Yeah, so God bless you. We look forward to being back here next week. And thank you, Charles and Ann Stock. God bless you guys, and we'll thank see you all there. next week. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.